Hi, I'm Jenny. And I'm Tim. And we are the, the Irreverends. Hey, everybody. Happy Easter. Happy Easter. Because Easter is a season. Hallelujah. Christ not is a day. risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Now do it in Greek. Can't. Hallelujah. No, I. Christos Anesti. Hallelujah. Alethos Anesti. Nice. Yeah. Show off. Yeah. It's just. Show off. Just. Yeah. Don't know. Pure. Yeah. Recent seminary <laughs> graduate nerdum. <laughs> I might be able to say it in pig Latin yeah. if you really pushed me, but... Um, it was just me being pedantic. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Whatever that means. Another so, way that I was pedantic. You <laughs> <laughs> could continue that ad infinitum. Okay. Sorry for the uh, layoff over the last two weeks, everybody. We really intended to have things, but other things were going we on in our lives. Like what, Tim? I don't know. What's happening in yours? Uh, nothing. Just, you know, right. coronavirus. There's we that. had some... We've had some hard news in the parish, yeah. and COVID came close, and one of our parishioners died. And um, one of the all-time greats. I know, and another one of our longtime parishioners died, and it's just very, very hard to do that remotely. It is. But you had some joyous news in I your life. I did have some joyous news. I have been called to be the thirty-first rector of Trinity Church in Newport, Rhode Island, founded in sixteen ninety-eight. Under Charter oh my Queen gosh. Anne. Oh my gosh. So that's like a hundred years older than St. John's. Yeah. 98 years, because I'm not so good at math. But yay you. I'm so excited. Thank you. And part of the tradition you are continuing is accepting the call to be the rector without ever having stepped foot in Rhode Island. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. It's different yeah. different way. Uh you know hashtag quarantine. I uh was things. the morning I was supposed to fly out was the morning that Everything was decided that I shouldn't. So, for like interviews, the, and then we did most everything. Most of the world shut down. Yeah, and we did everything by Zoom, and the spirit called. So, yeah, I think it's cool that you did some research and found out that previous rectors had accepted the call from England with back in the day before. Yeah, like never seeing it. You'd before. fly over. Yeah, yeah. So you get sent by the the missionary society. Yeah. So, so exciting. So yeah. we had some stuff going on. And fear not, Easter is an entire season, not just a day. And we're only like and halfway God is, through it. I know. And God is doing a new thing, always. And part of the lesson is one we really need to embrace in this coronavirus world, which is there is always room for hope. Mm -hmm. There is always new life happening. And it comes out of what looks like death. What is death, actually? So, so that's the lesson that we bring forward in Easter. And in case you hear it in the background, that is my husband. This is our quarantine podcast. Recording booth. Recording studio. Because there are people all yes. over the house. And occasionally my air conditioner will come on because it's 103 today in Phoenix. So. Yeah. yeah, that's not the issue here. It's actually no. cold and dreary. So during the season of Easter, instead of reading from the Hebrew Bible, we read from the Acts of the Apostles. Yes, we do. And I always have trouble saying Acts. And so I, and so I enunciate rather You sound, you rather sound more like a thing that's a, like a larger hatchet. I, I don't want to say Acts, like like that awful body spray that teens <laughs> wear. I don't know. Did um, they still? Our, our, Is that, oh my gosh, our got, house smelled like it for... Uh, no, well, they were right, well, they were right in the zone for that. Okay, thank God it's gone away. Okay. So anyway, I, I mean, I really don't know. I just have don't. <laughs> well, just trust me. I'm hoping. We had all the products at one time in our house, and thank God we don't anymore. But I digress. Today's lesson 
is from the Acts of the Apostles, which BTW is a, is thought to be a two-volume set, the second in a two-volume set by the guy who wrote Luke. Not necessarily a guy named Luke, but we digress again. By, well, by we, I mean I. Um, <laughs> this is chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. Those who had been baptized devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Awe came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord Lord added to their number those who were being saved. And here ends the lesson, painting this magical, sparkly picture of the earliest days of the church. Yes. So Back when we were that, communists. Yes, but something that I notice immediately that I totally love is this phrase devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and fellowship to the breaking of bread and to the prayers and it sounds familiar to anglican ears because it's in the baptismal covenant right and it's so beautiful taken right out of the book of acts will you follow the apostles teaching and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in the prayers and we answer we will with god's help it's beautiful Mm -hmm. this is where it comes from and, and we answer with God's help because it's so hard, because we certainly don't live like this anymore. And there's a chance we ever never actually did, but we get ahead of ourselves. Can't, can't we just have the dream? I mean, do you have to we kill can. it? We can. No. But it's important because it I feel inadequate. Well, <laughs> and I think that's part of the intention is to, yeah, to make but, us realize that there is a, in the kingdom of God, there is a way to live. That's right. That's right. But it's important to know. So there are a few things about that. Let's say, for example, that this really happened. Awe came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. Mm -hmm. Part of the wonders and signs is that people were able to live this way. Mm -hmm. And it is so rare that it inspires awe. That is absolutely part of what this text is supposed to show us. And this follows directly on from the text from the previous week which we didn't do a podcast episode for so you you might not know because unless you're you in wouldn't church. know you'd have no idea but <laughs> which... peter does this big sermon in the temple and three thousand people are baptized and added to the numbers right. that day and so yeah you had to be devoted to the teaching and the fellowship because when you go from 120 people all of a sudden up to three thousand you gotta make yeah. sure that people know what they're getting involved well in. also Historically, so this book was probably written right after the Gospel of Luke, which was written 60... 80, 80, 90 at the the outside. Right. Well, I was going to say 60 years after Jesus was dead. Mm -hmm. It is really important for Luke to stress the continuity of what people are learning and what he's writing with Jesus and then the apostles Mm -hmm. And then those who were taught by the apostles, it's really critical that he maintain that link. Yeah. Because by the time this was written, probably everybody who ever actually saw Jesus, 
unless maybe as a very young child is dead. Yeah. And so that continuity is really important. And we see it today in some of the traditions of the church where at ordinations, bishops lay hands on people as a way to show the continuity of the teaching from one generation to the next. This whole idea of maintaining the apostles' teaching and fellowship has been really crucial from the get-go. And also the emphasis on the importance of the table breaking bread. Ah, Which, if you had heard a podcast episode from last week that we didn't do, would have been about a little bit. (laughs) So... I'm hearing a little guilt in here. A little bit. I'm I'm totally willing to let it go. Let it go. You know, um, yeah, let it go. Totally willing to just say, sorry, we didn't do it. But what would we have heard last week, Tim? We would have heard. Had the, we had a- We would have heard the story of the walk to Emmaus when mm-hmm. Jesus oh, where Jesus is made known to them. Made known to them in the breaking of the bread. Yeah. So part of what's also important. I mean, critically important about continuing in the breaking of the bread is that Jesus has told us to continue in the breaking of the bread. Yeah. And it's an important part of our identity as a people, important practice. One even that we can't really par- do right now, which is... I know. Um, it's starting to weigh well, on me. You know what has started to weigh on me is thinking about what it might look like when we return. Yeah. And in our family last night, we were... We don't normally have religious conversations together, but we were having a conversation about what it might look like and how just um, just instinctively repulsed I was about the idea of doing it in a mask and gloves. Like, I just yeah. can't yet. And I think there's just a lot of thinking and praying we've got to do about what this can look like for us to try to continue what's what's important about this is our identity and our connection to Jesus and to the early church and to each other in the world that we have right now. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important historically, even by the time this was being written to show the connection, but also Luke in writing this is looking back at something that was already 30 years, at least in the rearview mirror. Mm -hmm. So it could very well be, be painted with a very generous nostalgic brush but at a minimum, you know, it's the story of the people that Luke was trying to record because people were dying. So well, there's there's something else important about honoring the narrative. The narrative. Yeah. And there clearly was something deeply awe-inspiring about it yeah. because the church had grown so much mm-hmm. so that by Luke's time, the biggest struggle of the church is what do we do about the Gentiles? You know, remember Jesus was Jewish. And immediately following Jesus's death, his followers were all Jewish. And they were trying to figure out where Jesus fit in with the Jewish narrative and story and scriptures. By the time we are 60 years later, there has been not just a a tension, but a tearing of that fabric. And a lot of Jewish people... 70 AD with the, the great revolt against Rome... And circa that era is when the Christian Jews were shown the door from well, the synagogues. So what's it? What's part of the big picture that's important to understand about that time was that Rome tolerated Judaism because it was so ancient. If you weren't Jewish, you had to worship Caesar. Mm-hmm. Once 
Rome began to think that these followers of Jesus were no longer Jewish. Things got they complicated. Were, it got complicated. Yeah. And this is all part of the context where Luke writes. And part of the complication was that present in Jesus's life was the rejection of some parts of Judaism that Jesus felt like the temple leaders were choosing piety over people, right? piety over compassion. And then the temple leaders themselves were looking at the life and death of Jesus and saying, you don't fit the Messiah that we've been waiting for. We don't believe you're the Messiah. So these tensions were, were real and faithful, deeply faithful people were at odds about what this meant. But what's clear is that the way they lived together and the way this message just caught on fire was something the world had never seen. Mm -hmm. And it was love and commitment and care for one another that inspired the awe. Not military might, not fire falling from the sky or somebody appearing in the clouds, not nope. that stuff. It was extraordinary human compassion. Glad and generous hearts. So, of course, what does this make me think of now? This is a pop quiz because you're looking at me. It is a pop quiz because... Uh, I don't da, know da. what you're thinking. I've never been no, able to No, you know tell. what it makes me think of now? In fact, it feels so obvious to me, but I don't mean to insult you with that. It's doctors and nurses going to work even though they have children at home and are afraid yeah. not only for their own lives, but to bring the virus back into their homes. Living in tents in their yards and garages. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, we have a friend who's, um, the father is an emergency room doctor in Prince George's County, Maryland, where the spike still hasn't come. And he lives in his household in a mask and takes off his clothes and he separate, sleeps separate from everybody. And our seminarian for next year has uh, was a trauma nurse and she has just taken an assignment for now and until school starts again in a COVID unit in a hospital in New Jersey. Wow. It's astounding. It's the sort of thing, or even bus drivers and grocery store workers and Yeah, my brother-in-law brother is a uh, bus driver in Austin, Texas. And oh. some of the stories that he's been telling about how badly people have been behaving and treating him oh. are just... There's a, yeah, there's a bus driver here in Washington, D.C. who complained because a woman coughed on him and he died four days later. Yeah. It's the sort of human compassion, the sort of putting aside your own needs in service to others, in service to the community that has always inspired awe <laughs> and is the sort of that's the, thing that can change hearts. That's the call of the kingdom of God. Exactly. Part of the story of Christianity from its earliest days is that that is how God will be made manifest. Yes. In the acts of one human being to another. And and that is what we are called to do as Christians now. Exactly. Not waiting for the kingdom to come, but to right. work on creating it because what we do in our bodies now echoes in eternity in the resurrection. Well, and it's the sort of thing that even in this tiny paragraph in the book of Acts, it is what inspires others to similar action. It inspires awe. It makes people aware that God is in this because humans can't do this on their own. So this book of Acts feels so relevant today. 
because these are, I call them ordinary acts of compassion, but really they're extraordinary, but they're ordinary people. Because by the time it started out, and these are people who actually saw Jesus and maybe touched him or were touched by him or heard him teach or took bread from him. But by the time Luke is writing this, all those people are probably gone. And they're ordinary people like you and me, mm-hmm. doing extraordinary, incredibly loving things with glad and generous hearts. Ugh, it's so beautiful. Shall we move to the gospel? Let's do that. The gospel is from the gospel of John, chapter 10, verses 1 through 10. Jesus said, very truly I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in by another way, is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So again, Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And here ends the lesson. Okay, one thing we forgot to say is this is Good Shepherd Sunday. It is. I looked it up because I thought this does not, this does not include the lines, which I think are in next week's I Am the Good Shepherd. Shepherd. But it is Good Shepherd Sunday. Looked it up. And the psalm is Psalm 23, which is, The Lord is my shepherd. One of the Irreverence podcast hosts actually worked as a shepherd. <laughs> so it happens when you grew up in Idaho. Yeah, which Things, I didn't. Opportunities arise. I know. I'm not the shepherd. Yeah. But um, tell us again about a sheep gate. Well, a sheep and gate. And I'll tell about thieves and bandits because okay. I used to be a so, criminal defense attorney. There's a, there's a different... Yeah, you did. There is a... <laughs> <laughs> a few different things regarding sheep gates, okay? First and foremost, a fold is an area set aside for housing sheep in the night to keep them safe, you know? So you'd be out in pasture with the sheep, having them eat all the grass and bring them all back in to the sheep fold and close the gate on them now in modern times. But in this time, people would have understand that sheep folds in the wilderness generally were caves. The whole area around Jerusalem, um, the Judean hill country, Bethlehem, where the sheep that were raised for sacrifice were raised, had all these massive limestone cave complexes in them. And so, in this case, you'd bring your sheep in at night, and then you'd lay down in front of the mouth of the cave. And when you did that, the sheep wouldn't cross over you in the night because you're the shepherd. They'd stay in the cave and stay safe. Plus, you'd kind of figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> they started to ship over you. Like, Lucy, go back to bed. Right. Those are the concepts. The 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 idea of a gatekeeper would actually be um, for places that were larger, you would actually have multiple shepherds housing their sheep in the same fold at night and an individual would keep this cave and they'd be the gatekeeper who would would in place of the shepherd lay down but they would not let anybody else come in besides the shepherds because they were known to them to come and grab their sheep and so because you had different flocks of sheep for different shepherds in the fold 
what you do is you just call your own sheep. And because you've been caring for them from the very earliest part of their lives, they know your voice and they'll just follow you out. So that is so meaningful to me that the sheep actually know your voice. Yeah. That In my oh case, my when I was doing this, the sheep learned to follow the guy singing Metallica. So. Ooh, oh God. What a. <laughs> hey, man. Just walking around with my, my, walk, <laughs> my Walkman on. What do you want from me? <laughs> oh, my God. That's right, your Walkman. Oh, my God. Yeah. Remember those? Yeah. No, tape. Um, I guess it's not. Like, at first, I didn't know that I really believed that. But, you know, our dog recognizes our voices. Yeah, totally. You know, but the idea. So, as a metaphor, the idea that we need to be able to recognize Jesus's voice above all the others Mm -hmm. is so just rings deeply true to me because there is a cacophony of voices out there i mean just a chaos of voices Mm -hmm. and a bunch of them are thieves and bandits who pretend to be one thing you know we could also say a wolf in sheep's clothing i mean they pretend to be one thing but they really are another they're really you know, this text tells us they're out to steal and kill, kill and destroy. destroy. Which is really all you do with a sheep. Yeah, if you're going to steal a sheep, you're either going to buy it and sell it and it's going to be slaughtered or you're going to slaughter it yourself. For food. Right. Yeah. I mean, so. it's going to end up food for someone. Yeah. Uh, but it's who is losing out. I mean, always the sheep loses out from this, right? But, <laughs> but you know, are you taking advantage of somebody or is it the natural process of things? Yeah. And... The ability to tell the difference between the voice of Jesus and the voice of pretenders was also important even in the time of John, and not just even in the time of John, but always. One interesting thing that came out when I was looking at this this time around, you know, you, you tend to have kind of the more traditionalist idea that Jesus might be talking about the temple authorities in this case, but a article that I read on this actually was talking uh, about the history of Josephus, a Jewish general historian. and historian that uh, ultimately kind of turned turncoated and helped Rome in the uh, the uprising. And Josephus basically talks about all these different messianic figures at the same time as Jesus, who were definitely more in the vein of what people were expecting the Messiah to be, basically like a general trying to get people riled up and throw Rome out of the country. Jesus is doing something completely different. Jesus is developing Mm. this doctrine of the kingdom of God now. So he has significantly different outlook than these other figures that kept kind of coming through did. And so this article basically insinuates that rather than thinking about this in pure Jesus versus the temple conception, which frankly can lead to supersessionism and anti-Semitism, you should also realize that Jesus is warning against following people who would lead you to war. Right. So as so, opposed to good good pastures and still super, waters. Supersessionism is the idea that Jesus and the, the teachings of the New Testament Complete, ought to replace. Completely replace the, the like teachings of Judaism. Like out. Right. And that is is a heresy of the highest order. I pulled out my study Bible while you were talking because my study Bible also said that the thieves and bandits likely by John's gospel referred to the other messianic figures, Hmm. which frankly is more relevant for us today. Totally. That's why I bring it up. Yeah. Because how can you tell the voice of 
a true savior from one of these false ones? Right. What are they teaching? Which pastors are they leading you to? Oh my God. Are they leading you in a direction that's about killing and destroying? Right. And stealing and oppressing and exploiting? Are they leading you to a pastor that benefits them or benefits you? Right. And I read an article. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. I read an article that talked about the different several days ago about um, the difference about part of what's happened with capitalism is that capitalism has bought into a narrative of the power of the predator Mm. that is a system based on the whole structure of apex predators and not that it's sort of a survival of the fittest as opposed to a structure that's built on nurturing that's built on nurturing and sustaining so that future generations will also be able to enjoy what we enjoy. It's a it's a completely different approach. Living and inside the donut. Living inside the donut. Yeah. The, What's that? Rather than the driving force of economy being its expansion, learning to live in a sustainable right. way within. Right. It, it's not to say that capitalism writ large is absolutely always terrible. It's just that there should be some controls. Well. Because part of what this article suggested, not suggested, but said, the the analogy was, you know, there is suffering in the world. There is hardship. Lions kill to eat. But you know what lions don't do? Lions don't kill the entire herd of gazelle to make a higher profit. No. They don't, you know, sharks don't claim the entire ocean as their territory. But capitalism's extremes end up exploiting They end up leaving people without anything because some have amassed, Mm -hmm. you know, a whole pile of of prey. and More than they can eat. Well, and this speaks to this exactly. The good shepherd will lead you to pasture that nourishes you. And frankly, the other part about being a shepherd is that you don't take him to the same pasture every time because they will just eat it completely down to nothing right and it destroys the ecosystem oh, you, you have to you have to move right. sheep around or else they will completely just destroy eat everything down to the bare earth right and you and they pretty leave quick, their poop the, behind the ecology of it pretty quickly and you leave their they leave their poop behind which can help yeah little, help little microcosms they, of other things right. growing well so something else that i understand that shepherds do not ever having been one is they bind up the wounds of the sheep. Mm-hmm. You know, they take care of them if they, you know, have something in their ear or whatever. They they actually care for the well-being of the sheep. And so there's sort of a... It's like connected with the Book of Acts, that, that sort of picture. In one picture, you have people deeply looking out for one another mm-hmm. and concerned with making sure that those who have needs, that those needs are met even if it comes at the expense of those who are wealthy. In the the difference between a good shepherd and a bad one is the good shepherd puts his life at risk. He binds up wounds. He leads you to good pasture. He lays lays his life down as the sheep gate. Exactly, because the wolf could come. And the first being that the wolf will encounter is the person who's there at at the mouth of the cave. And the thing we have to do, Tim, is learn to hear learn to listen we have to have ears to hear the voice the voice and how do we do that 
you gotta learn yes you learn it by doing you learn it by listening you learn it by by following well and by studying this man you know see what seems more jesus-like and the only way you learn that is by really reading the scriptures and then as you say practicing it and seeing what fruit comes of it Mm -hmm. so what does this help us today this metaphor is so important for all the reasons that we just discussed really it's uh which which voice do you follow the voice of good loving sustaining nurturing nurturing, giving or the one passion the one that consumes you and everything around it that eventually is just not sustainable right so shall we do electio yeah it's your turn it's my turn yeah i came that they may have life and have it abundantly Ah. i came that they may have life and have it abundantly i came that they may have life and have it abundantly Hmm. what do you think of uh the the word that stands out is life in Mm. greek that's zoe which is the first bit of like zoology and everything else oh and so it 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 implies diversity a diversity and oh. the expansiveness, the cosmic life. Oh, God, um, I didn't know that. So that's what stands out to me, that oh uh, Jesus, came, Jesus came to give the whole cosmos life, just not just us, you know, not just... Oh, my God. But that's beautiful. Just the givingness of the word of God in creation. What stands out oh, to you? Abundantly. Mm. Even reading those words felt like a healing balm to me. Even hearing that abundantly not just scraping by survival but life abundantly and then what you said about like that world word for life itself Mm -hmm. implying diversity diversity and abundance is the mark of god and when we don't feel that aliveness that speaks of diversity and abundance we have been in the clutches of a thief that's right. So what, and those... Uh, so what's your prayer from that? Whew. So my prayer is for all of those who have applied for unemployment insurance and haven't gotten it yet. Hmm. Because what I see in this are the marks of thieves. Because of the four or five people I know who have applied for it, not one has yet to actually receive it. And they have been forced to go through hoops and do things and try to reach people in offices that it does not bear the marks of abundance that it's supposed to. And instead, it feels like a trick. Hmm. And I can imagine that level of frustration and despair to be told this is there for you and not get it. And the the fear of losing a job in a time like this and the health insurance that might go with that. And in a time of uncertainty, Jesus came that you may have life and have it abundantly. Those are people for whom I pray. What about you? Well, this is Jesus' reason, like the the raison d'air, right? The the reason for Jesus is that he, he came for everybody to have life and to have it abundantly. So my prayer is for those who hoard. Oh, and by doing so, make sure that the things that provide for life are not shared with abundancy with everybody. Like they are in the book of Acts. And I, I, pray, I pray for everybody to have a change of heart to the state that we, we read in the books of Acts reading, that we can share, that there is enough, and that yeah. it can be sustained. 
Because I know that the hoarding instinct comes from fear. It does. Too. All of so much of this comes from fear. But it's a lie. There is enough. Exactly. Amen. Woo. Amen. Yeah. It's Easter. God is doing a new thing. Even in the midst of all this. That's right. That's right. All right. So we'll see you next week. Yes. Yeah. Or you'll hear us next week. <laughs> of course. But I always say see ya. All right. Yeah. Okay. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening. And um, tell a friend. Podcast. Send us this an email like at Tim at the irreverence.com. Yeah. So we'd love to hear from you. Share this with a friend. Bye. See you next week. Bye now. Gonna cast in. Okay. One, two, three. (laughs) This is where you say, Hi, I'm Jenny, and I say, Hi, I'm Tim. And then you say, say. And we are, and then we both say, The Irreverence. I totally forgot. I totally forgot. We've only been doing this for like two years. I know. Blank. Quarantine head. Ready? Okay. Exactly. One, two, three.